1: From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the boomer and the babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Yes, indeed, it is the Boomer and the Babe show, and we are here on our first broadcast into the new year, Uh, hopefully the first of many uh, that will be coming along, and we're going to be talking very briefly to our guests. Uh, as soon as they get with us, but right now we're going to be talking with uh, my partner in crime, Miss Deborah Brown. <laughs> Hold on a second here, Deb. We got to, we've got to get this thing hooked up. Uh, okay, for some reason we seem to be. Okay, there you go.
0: I'm 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 light. I was light in the voice. You
1: were light. You were light in the voice. Yes.
0: Well, happy New Year, everybody.
1: Uh, Well, happy New Year indeed. Uh, This is the Boom of the Babe show, and I managed to uh, grab Deborah real quick as she was coming through the office while we're waiting for our our guests to come in. it is uh, January 2nd, Wednesday, 2012. It's 11... 2013? 2013. You're already no, off? I'm already <laughs> off by year. Uh, and uh, we're we're broadcasting from our office in Sun City at 11 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the afternoon on the East Coast, and 10 o'clock in on the West Coast. So uh, just basically, I guess we're just going to uh, sit here and fill a little time until our guest gets here. And if uh, our guest for some reason doesn't show up, we'll just have a little shorter show. So, Deb, what have we got planned for the uh, Boomer and the Baby Incorporated? I knew there's some things that uh, we've been talking about. Anything you want to let people know about?
0: I have actually been working on a formal plan, which I think everyone really should do, and probably we should have done it before today, but <laughs> better late than never. But it will have a little amplification of some of the things that we're working from last year, You know, kind of turn up the volume on some of the things that I enjoy doing in, in publishing, And then some new offers and new opportunities that I think would be of value to baby boomers and people in business in general. We have that. So I'm not going to really say what it is. I'm working on the plan today and tomorrow. And then we'll be able to launch some things from our website. And I hope people will go to boomerandthebabe.com and check out what's going to be new in probably about three days.
1: Well, I think it's safe to say that we're going to be doing everything that we're doing now and more uh, for the most part. We're still going to do the radio show. Uh, It may or may not have a little different sound to it with regard to how we structure it, Uh, and we're certainly going to continue with the publishing because that's turned into a a very, uh, very important part of everything that it is we do. Uh, So we're going to be doing that on a continuing basis.
0: Well, that's I'm glad you mentioned the publishing, and I mentioned it a second ago. But I actually have a way to help people take a a book, an e-book in particular, and move it along up the charts pretty quickly in Amazon. And I've had two people back to back in a span of about two weeks from putting their books up that legitimately hit number one between number one and number five in their category on Amazon. One person hit number one in Canada and number two in the United States in her in her category with thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads. So I'm just really, really, really excited about the process and finding the authors that want to play at that level.
1: And one of the things we're going to be doing with some of these authors uh, is we're going to be offering people that come on the show uh, some possibilities along the way too. So uh, they certainly have the possibility of... of Contributing to our ebook, our e-magazine rather, online magazine Bo- experience, Boomer Experience speaks, and uh, that's nice because it also connects to their website and to the show that we do with them. So that's something that we offer. Not everybody, uh, but uh, many of many of our guests on the radio show get that opportunity.
0: So here's a question for anyone listening: What do you need? What exactly do you need to have 2013 be a stellar year. And I'm talking about more in business than in personal, but you know, what, what does a person really need? Do you need more clients? Do you need more customers? Do you need a product? Uh, do you need some way for people to engage with you further, get into what we call your funnel differently from what they've done in the past? Do you even have a funnel? Do you know what a funnel is? So those are some of the things that I can help people with And I believe that will be one of the products I'm creating in the next few weeks uh, in terms of how do I um, assist people with that kind of thing. Because if you don't have a funnel, which is how people get into your back end, so to speak, and and they enter by some kind of engagement, either through your business card if it's locally uh, or your uh, opt-in page or your sign-in sheet, whatever, they get into your uh into your space so to speak and then something has to happen after that. So the question is what is it, right? So um I will be working on that. And Pete is still uh, trying to work on getting our guests to come in and I'm not sure if that's working out. So let's check in with Pete here and how is that working, Pete Pie? I call him Petie Pie when he's not cooperating.
1: <laughs> well, we just uh we just heard from the p r agent for our guests, and he is apparently calling in so uh we'll be on air with him. He's David Powell, he's a business expert discussing valuation, startups sales, all kinds of things, sales of your business uh entrepreneurism in general, so uh he's gonna be an interesting guest and
0: uh uh, well, he's going to be a lot more cogent than I have been trying to fill time with my my. Uh, <laughs> what do you do with a sales funnel? He'll know exactly what to say about that. Well, I do too, but I'm not prepared today. I'm just I'm just winging for you. Yeah,
1: well we're we're winging right along <laughs> here, so we'll give him a couple of more a couple of more minutes. Uh, but what I can do is I can go over some of his his bio information before. He gets on uh the information that we have is that uh he's a boomer generation uh as it says as the boomer generation reaches the age of retirement they're really realizing that they're not quite ready to hang up their hang up their boots and uh the trend among boomers is being finding themselves out of work because the company of layoffs and uh reductions in force and so on, and David Powell can help you uh get through this process, start a new business, whatever the case might be, reinvent yourself as a baby boomer. So uh, we're still waiting for him to call in. It should be an interesting conversation, uh, and he's uh,
0: he's not calling yet. So, Well, you know, I have that whole reinvention thing myself, and I've done talks out in the public about that. And it really is a function of deciding what your passion is and seeing if you can marry your passion to something that will give you profit. And when you can do that, when you can marry those two and also get your mission and your vision in the same alignment with the with the passion and the profit, you have got something that you not only enjoy doing, you love getting up in the morning to continue working on, and you can see yourself doing it even though you have maybe retired from another career. Maybe you never thought you were going to do anything else, but you're... Uh, your 401k is not what it was going to be. You've got other issues with maybe family members that need you. Uh, Sometimes baby boomers have not only their parents, but their children that become uh, sort of dependent upon them for some reason at, at this stage in life. And all of a sudden you're going, wow, I've got to have something that I just love doing and can make money at. So I'm sure the guests today will have some comments about that as well. But it's fun to reinvent. You know, it's it's uh, uh my brother in particular has been a trucker in the trucking business for 27 years, but he has also learned how to build houses and he is doing that on the side and making a ton of money and I'm just wishing that he would finally retire from the trucking because he really is going to be a millionaire. I just feel it in every every ounce of my being, not just with the uh, with the home building, but there's some other things that he does that he's learned to do in the last several years, and he's brilliant. So I think there's a lot of people out there that once they find that thing that they're brilliant at and then go for it, they don't need whatever they've been doing in their regular job.
1: Well, I tell you, we're uh, we're still waiting for our guests to call in. Uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to pay our little... Uh, Commercial package that we have here, Uh, we're going to let that go, and then uh, if he's not in by the time that concludes, we'll just wrap up the show for today and and invite you back for our for our next program. So uh, we're going to be playing this little commercial package right now. We'll be back in about two and a half minutes. Boomer the Babe are the publishers of Boomer series books. Our authors have their own shows on the Boomer the Babe network. We encourage you to listen. Ron Naraki, author of the forthcoming book *The Ten Commandments of Investing*, is the host of Wealth DNA, a financial show about real estate investment. Learn how to build and manage your portfolio. Ron hosts the show, and he always has good information to pass along, as do his guests. Listen to Wealth DNA on the second and fourth Monday of the month at 8 a.m. Arizona time. Tom Liggering is another Boomer Series author. His book *Success or Failure: The Choice Is Yours* is the basis of the show he does with his broadcast partner, Dr. Terry Munther. Listen to Success or Failure with Tom and Terry on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Learn how you can maximize your performance in business and in life. The methods you employ can either help or hinder. The choice is yours. Before you book... All right, we uh, we have our guest is uh, is here now, so... Uh, We're going to get back uh, on the line. And I think we have him now. Is this David? David Powell, how are you? Good. Good. I'm glad Glad you made it. Yeah, thank you. Same to you. you. Thank you. I'm glad you made it. Uh, I've got you uh, listed here as a business, a boomer business expert. Uh, What we've done, Deborah and I have been doing a little fill here for the front end of the show. Uh, so we'll probably end up editing some of that out, uh, at the end, but, uh, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of maybe what Deborah would call if she were still on the line with us, uh, your two minute movie about your history, your background, where you've been, uh, what you've done and what brings you to, uh, what you're doing today. You want you want my elevator speech, don't you? Uh, well, yeah, that maybe the maybe <laughs> maybe the one that goes up about fifty floors instead of the one that goes from <laughs> from the second
2: to the third. All right, good. Well, I tell you, I have uh, I've been in business myself for over thirty years, and I've owned uh, three different franchises, uh, eleven different businesses, had eighteen buy seller uh, transactions between those businesses over these years. And um, a few years back, I decided to get out of business, so I sold. Uh, All the two or three that I still had, I'd been buying and selling businesses, kind of
0: um,
2: as a kind of part of what I did, as well as you know kept one of them as a mainstay, and um, decided to get into real real estate uh, with a lot less employees and headaches, and just to kind of wind things down a little bit.
0: Um,
2: Got into residential, did real well, and decided that um, really preferred commercial because it's kind of more of what I'd done in business for leases and. Buying things and building things, uh, businesses. Uh, so, kind of went into um, commercial, and before very long, most of the people i um, people that knew me here in town and everything, they started asking me to help them buy a business or or do due diligence with them or you know financing or whatever the type of thing was. So, I got pulled in that direction so much that I started looking for a company to really get better at, at that if I was going to start helping people. And I ran into a company called Murphy Business Brokerage Financial, and they're the largest business brokerage in the U.S., and they're just incredible. Uh, what they give me and the ability to to get financing and tax people and all the aspects of the back room that I need uh, are there, and it's a lot better than I could ever do as a single operator. And so I tied up and bought the franchise here, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm doing now. I was helping people buy and sell businesses as well as some commercial real estate. Typically, that goes hand in hand. If you uh, if you have a real estate, it's kind of you can't you can't sell it as a business broker unless you're a real estate agent. And having the knowledge in commercial before I went into business really really has helped. So where are you located, David? I'm at forty-seven forty-seven South Loop two eighty-nine on the, right off the loop at uh, Quaker between Quaker and Slide. It's a Keller Williams um, big three-story building called Keller Williams, and my office is in there. What city are you in? in Lubbock, Texas. Sorry, uh, Lubbock, Texas. You said
1: Lubbock, Texas. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, very good. Uh, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the the business environment as we find it today. I mean, we've been hearing this stuff about the business environment uh, from a political aspect, and where are the jobs and? We'll, entrepreneurs this and entrepreneurs that and entrepreneurs are going to lead us, lead us to the great future, to the great beyond. And uh, they're, they're the salvation of the country and all these kinds of things. But uh, is how
2: is the market
1: as it exists right now? Is it impacting startups?
2: Yeah, definitely, Pete. Um, you know, I, I, nobody has a crystal ball, as you know, for, for what's going to happen now in your, 2013 just because of all the changes politically that we've had and the fears of the new taxes and those types of things, right? But I, I think even even with that, we're going to continue to see these baby boomers, as, as, you, as you said, um, for the next 19 years. Everything that I've looked at, all the charts, and I'm sure you guys have been doing this too, in the next 19 or 20 years is supposed to increase in the uh, over 65, right? Right. And even more so in the over 70. And so we're going to see a lot of people needing to get out of business who haven't made plans to do so. Unfortunately, there's so often these smaller main street businesses don't have an exit strategy, which is which they really need to be doing earlier and earlier. And um, there's a lot of people getting, as you know, phased out of the corporate world as well as even their own companies. Even you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs have been in something for a long time. Um, say you know, formal wear or um, some type of um, food, no, not food necessarily, but formal and a lot of these other types of businesses that um, are getting phased out through, through the Walmarts and through the big chains, that's continuing to happen. And as we see these businesses go, they're, they're looking for other businesses to replace them, that income. So there's really a two-fold, in my mind, area that we're, we're finding these new buyers or these new entrepreneurs. Um, A lot of times these corporate people are 45 and and up, but they're not ready to retire and they need something to replace that income, but they're either getting phased out of corporate America or they're just sick of it and tired of it and want to have a lot more freedom. Do you think
1: people that are in transition today, whether they are forced into transition or they're choosing to be in transition, are, uh, and and they have been in the, in the corporate world corporate professional type world uh are they all suitable entrepreneurs, or do some of them just think they're suitable entrepreneurs
2: yeah no i, no, I, I say no way are they all suitable entrepreneurs you know they're they're just people who do not have that acumen to to do that you know at all but um I it, I guess but anyways the the whole concept there i think in one of the processes we go through first when a buyer comes to us is is we need to find out what is their business um, savvy? What, what, what were they strong in? Were they were they strong in sales? Were they strong in marketing? Were they strong in operations? Uh, you know, what is their knowledge and their skills as well as uh, their personality? You know, are they, are they a high get-it-done type of person? Are they laid back? You know, that's just all of those uh, avenues that we try to determine and then we want to fit a business to them. And, and a lot of... Um, Ongoing businesses is is what most people kind of come in thinking about, but a lot of them are franchise candidates because the franchise world is really designed a lot differently than than I remember 20, 30 years ago with the amount of franchises, especially newer franchises that are out there. I'm not talking about the food business, but, you know, a lot of the other types of businesses, whether it's retail stores or um, hearing aids or whatever in the medical field. Um, but these these deals often cater to, you know, one franchise in the medical care building will be a, a real strong front end. They'll do your sales, your marketing for you, and, and you do the operations. Next, another franchise in the same business will do all the back end stuff, hire your employees, but they're not, they're not out there business to business doing the sales for you. You see what I'm saying? Right. So a lot of times you want to find those strengths for that person and bring them into the type of business that they really would be most successful in.
1: Uh, there's really not, uh, I'm going to make this general statement, which is always trouble when you start doing this, but uh, for, I, I guess it's safe to say for the most part that there really isn't much right now uh, that you can't find in some form of a franchise or another. Uh, would you agree with that
2: statement as a generality? Yeah, there are over 5,000 franchises, and that's, you know, that's another part of the world that, that black people need business brokers because the last thing I would ever do is give a person twenty franchises and say, "Hey, pick one." You know, if you, what you know, you want to narrow that down to again what what their abilities are, and bring them into three or four. But not only that, what's neat about Murphy is we have, we represent over a hundred franchises, but they've already been researched, and we're not going to represent them if we don't think they're you know a good franchise to start with. And then we usually get our top five or ten or fifteen from there. That uh, still has open territory, and those are the ones that we're going to match up to the right for those for those people. Does that make sense? So just, but yes, I, I think the answer to your question is absolutely. But still, that's a that's a quicksand to be waiting for somebody to step in if they're not careful.
1: Well, I I, I think that's absolutely correct. Uh, uh, what what kind of businesses are you seeing uh, that are being bought these these days? Um, uh, is there any particular franchise or type of franchise, type of business that
2: is more popular than others? Well, of course the medical. You know, again, um, looking at that aging um, population, um, medical care, home health care, all those home types of places um, is, is is pretty strong. The oil business is pretty strong. Anything related to that, trailers, you know, any. Any type of industrial well being companies and things of that nature are, are are being strong right now, especially in our area because of because we have that type of uh, boom going on. But um, also your you know your food business is, is probably because it has been so oversaturated and and, and it's still a, still many good franchises out there. But um, most people don't want the food business. I think your the retail store or the uh, you know, bars are still strong. Um, a lot of service industries, though, really seem to be doing. It's the easiest and the fastest to get in with the least amount of money.
1: Uh, how does? Uh, uh, what do you think about people that are getting involved in some of these multi-level marketing uh, operations? I mean, some of these things are are, are pretty good, I think. Others are just uh, well, you really don't know what you're getting.
2: Now, when you say multi-level, give me an example.
1: Oh, uh, a multi-level marketing is, to me, is, uh, Poss- possibly uh, vitamins and food, su- uh, vitamin supplements, and okay, and, yeah, yeah,
2: you know
1: th- those types of things. Where you've got a down line and, and people report mm-hmm. to you, and you've got an up line, and, and and those those types of things, you get bonuses for putting people into business under you. Uh, I mean, th- uh, what what do you what do you think about those types of operations? This is in a personal opinion,
2: but I've never seen one work for any length of time. I've seen a lot of them work for a short period of time. But uh, and I'm not going to say that that's just true across the board. But but in my 30 years, and I've been approached with those types of marketing uh, things. they used to call the pyramid things. You know, now they had to change the name and do it a little bit different. But uh, yeah, I, even... I personally I personally would never do one. Just just from what I've seen over the 30 years.
1: Yeah, and I don't think they even call them multi-level marketing or MLMs anymore. I think now it's all called direct sales. As I think that they've cleaned up the vernacular a little bit, but I mean, I, I do know people that are in those in some of those businesses that are doing very well and have been and have done well for quite some time, and I think will continue to do well. However, for every one of those, there's probably about twenty five to maybe even a hundred that haven't. Uh, you only you only hear about the uh, about the big successful ones you don't hear about the ones that uh spent their five hundred dollars and to get started and and never rolled anything out so uh, it's it's a tough business to be involved in everybody and their brother the, if if they say call your make a list of your friends and relatives for, to start mm-hmm. your business <laughs> that's, an, that's an indication to me that you don't want to be in that business.
2: Anyhow,
1: <laughs> make it, give me a list of your friends and relatives. Those are the first people you go to. Okay, well, they've been taking one a day vitamins for 27 years. Why do they need to take this brand now? Uh, but anyhow, that's my that's my editorial comment. Um the the fact that uh people uh, are making some pretty good Pretty good sized purchases here. If they're going to be starting a franchise, uh, that's uh, other than maybe the house and their car. That's probably one of, if not even a bigger, a bigger commitment uh, than what they've done along the way. So they've got to be pretty much ready to uh, ready to do that, uh, not only financially but uh, ha- emotionally as well. Have the wherewithal and have know they have the commitment to it. Very true,
2: but you know, a lot of times if you think about having a job, what do you what do you get at the end of having a job for twenty years when you go to leave that job? Maybe a gold Vers- watch. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Versus owning a business and having some value if you if you've really sure. thought about building it for sale, you know, or building it for your, with an exit strategy. Um, you know, it just it just seems that if you if you're going to change careers, and this is the time to do it, whether you're forced to or I've just made that decision. Uh, It's a good thing to check out and really look at all angles before you decide which direction you want to go. And and I don't think it's a very valuable thing, but it is not for everyone. Absolutely.
1: Well, I understand that uh, franchises, you have a lot of uh, infrastructure already set for you. Uh, You've got certainly a certain amount of support that comes from uh, from the home office, if you will. Uh there are probably in many cases also some restrictions as to what materials and, and where you get your materials to manufacture your product. It may be from the home office. Uh there's but there's nonetheless direction and guidance. Uh if uh if you use it and use it well you could probably have a much better chance of succession. Uh, of of succeeding, rather, and being a success, I should have said. Uh, But now, in the event that somebody wants to start their own, whatever it might be, start it from scratch, um, they don't want to have a franchise tie. Maybe they don't have enough money for a franchise tie. They want to start really small out of their kitchen or out of their garage or whatever the case might be. Uh, What kind of
2: recommendations would you have for those folks? Well, you know, there's a there's a small business development centers across the nation, and they're really good at what they do, and they help develop the business plan, um, talk to you about financing, just just really are helpful, and it's free government, you know, assistance, uh, as well as the SBA itself, the Small Business Association. Um, so that's the first place I would tell them to start, you know is go and talk to these people, find out, and start a business plan. You know, actually get a, a roadmap for what it is they're doing and why it's going to be successful. Uh, cash flows and, and all of those types of things. I think that's probably the biggest problem that people do is they go off without really having a full understanding of, of where they're going with this business and what their plans are and what's their five-year plan and what's their three-year plan and what they're going to really have to take to, to get there. There's also a great book out there that that's actually real estate related. It's called The Millionaire Real Estate Man, Agent. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Um, Keller Williams, um, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, the, the, uh, that actually started Keller Williams, wrote this book. And it's probably one of the best business books for understanding leverage um, and how to build uh, sales and, and What's your how to really get a good understanding of of that plan, I, I would suggest to read that. And there's another book out there called Build It to Sell that's very good. Uh, when, when somebody
1: uh, is looking to sell their business, be it a franchise or be it something they've uh, pulled up themselves uh, by the by the roots, uh, and and they need to value their business. Uh, how, what how do you set a value on your business when it comes time to sell it?
2: Well, you know, we, we do valuations. We don't we don't list a business without doing a valuation because that would be like bringing a, a buyer to somebody that hadn't been, you know, taking an application and making sure he's not a tire kicker and, and knowing that he's pre-qualified and ready to go. Um, and so the very first thing that we do is evaluation on the business and, we'll, and the the way to do that, and of course, there's, there's three types of valuations that are in, um, which is an income, because you're selling the income of the business, right? That's your main thing if it's a good running business. It's an asset. It's just selling the assets because the business and the income is less than the value of those assets. And then there's market value. And we use all of them, and, and we weight the averages on them. Um, but that's, you know, you want to find out where the industry's going, you know, is it, is it a growing industry? Is it stagnant? You need to know what the competition is around that business, and we need to know, you know, what what that business is doing. What the key employees? Uh, are they taking a lot of money out of the business and using it for their cars and their 401ks, and that that you know is dropping down the tax consequences, that needs to be added back in to make sure that they get the most money for the business. So, all of those types of things are. Are going to be analyzed to help decide that valuation. And there's there's, there's really basically three types of valuations. There's the certified, full blown appraisal that um, somebody that certified has to do, and you know that's five thousand dollars or, or and up can be twenty five thousand dollars depending on what type of and how deep you know they have to go. What type of business? of thing but there's also just kind of a limited asset that's also done by an appraiser Um, but you know it's a much lower $3,500, $2,500 type of appraisal for Main Street Uh, and then there's the broker value of opinion that we do all the time which is a whole lot better priced and so it really depends on what that person needs and what his volume is and that kind of thing what price range we're talking about for sales. Let's talk about
1: franchising a little bit more from the standpoint of I have a business. Uh, I've got the, uh, all right, let's use mine. I've got the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated, and I want to franchise this business. I want other people to uh, basically do what we do, uh, the various aspects of it, and so on and so forth. How difficult is it for me to
2: franchise something that I have? I'm really not done any of that uh type of thing there are people out there and i can get people anybody in touch with a person who does that very thing who who will for the price take them from a to z to franchise their business um and of of course one of the first things you need is a good franchise lawyer so you don't get yourself in trouble with your fdd um Mm -hmm. and that type of thing but um you know, typically that's what I would do, for, do if somebody really had something that they wanted to franchise. Is I would get them involved with people who do that very thing—do nothing but help people get franchised.
1: Now, uh, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can franchise and then you could also uh, take on limited partners, uh, and, yeah. and they, they and they could operate
2: your business in a different city, as an example. Well, okay. you can take on what's called a license. You know, you can be licensed, which is a whole lot easier to do than be franchised. Uh-huh. So uh, I can just of- uh,
1: allow people to use uh, le- use my business name, forms, whatever I've established, and I give them a license and I charge them a fee for that.
2: That's right. It's just a flat fee type of thing. It's not based on percentages and, and, and you know, quite a bit to it, but it's, it's a whole lot less legally as far as the steps that you have to go through to get set up for, to be, to do that. So if I wanted to do that,
1: I could maybe just charge them uh, x number of dollars to become a licensee, and then an ongoing monthly fee. hmm And anything and anything they make above that 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 goes in your pocket. That's great. Uh,
2: that that does sound a little, the way that works. does sound a little bit easier, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and you're typically you're not doing quite as much for the person as a franchisor would be doing.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, they're on they're on their own to operate it. As long as they're operating it within the guidelines that you set forth initially, then beyond that, now how much how much control do you have over what they do? I mean, uh, if if they step outside the outside the the boundaries, basically, as to what you had set the franchise up as, uh, what what kind of recourse does the franchise or does the uh,
2: the licensor hold? Uh, uh, what kind I, of? I, I think just canceling your license, and get, if you're if you're not willing to get back into, whatever you know, if you're using his brand improperly or whatever it is you're doing, I, 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 to my knowledge, and, and I'm not an expert on this and don't want to don't want to act like it at all. Yeah. See, but my understanding, because I have I have been I've had a license uh, company as well as uh, as a franchise, as several franchises. but um, Typically, it was it was a matter of whether or not you could hang on to the license, and use their brand. Right, right. Was their main uh, hammer over your head? I guess. Oh, okay,
1: okay. But there is a certain a uh, certain amount of control that you have as a as a license or, uh I would imagine that.
0: Uh,
1: it sounds like it. Uh, the uh, as far as startup trends are concerned, are more people. Uh, trending to start up via franchises or are they starting trending more to start up just as sole proprietors or partners or whatever on their own and just going out there and, and winging it
0: I think
2: uh, I think a lot of people first start thinking about the fact that let's let's buy a business that's already going so we have the income
0: mm-hmm. you know um
2: I think franchises scares a lot of people and so does a startup doesn't scare a lot of people um mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you're a guy and you're already in business and, and you're going to start your second or third one and it may be a different field, that's that's what I see quite often. Or uh, somebody, like you said earlier, really start something small out of their garage where the, the risk is, is really kept to the minimal and they still have their job or whatever for their income. Uh, but um, typically what I see is the buyer first comes in here looking for a business that's already gone with an income that's at the right price that they can Make money pay their debt back and and start building their company, uh but typically they don't realize how how they could if they're spending three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a company that's making a hundred thousand dollars worth of income, they might spend a hundred and fifty thousand dollars and in nine months break even and start building and in two years be making the same kind of income and, and be out of pocket half as much um and so those are the, that's that's the kind of the weighted thing that you have to do with franchise versus um uh, pre owned a pre going business.
1: Uh I heard uh on one of these uh business programs just recently uh on on television, one of these weekend shows, where they were saying that uh due to the business conditions being what they are and the fact that uh somebody uh has wanting to get is wanting to get out of their business and they had hoped to sell that business uh divorce themselves from it completely, have their money uh, in hand and have go off into the sunset having a wonderful retirement, that that in many, many cases uh, nowadays is not the way it is, that people have to stay on and still work in the business as the new owner is acquiring it so they can guarantee, um, uh, guarantee the value because they are so much of the value uh, in and of themselves. Uh, the fact that they're in the business, working the business, their name and their practices are, are are a great deal a part of the business, and a lot, and a lot of new owners are looking to have that, uh, especially in these times. Is are you finding any of that?
2: Yes, uh, I would say that every structure that we really do is different. You know, I mean, and it it's so dependent on how dependent is the business on that person. Um, as well as there's there's things called buyouts. You know, a lot of times, even if you're not keeping um, the seller in the business to help operating it with you and train you, and there's always a training period, you know, but I'm, I'm talking about for maybe a year or something, um, there's a way to structure that where you can have a buyout where you're, um, if if sales start falling, then the sales price falls, so you're, you haven't paid everything up front.
0: There's
2: There's just a, you know, as many different types of businesses there are there's that many types of structures as when we go in. what we're looking for though is to maximize the ability the buyer's ability to take over and keep that longevity and those those sales up and increase versus so many people now I say this is in my opinion is one of the biggest faults that people do when they go in to buy businesses they think they want to reinvent the wheel instead of staying to the exact same program um, they want to start throwing in all their ideals. And here's a business that's been working for 20 years, and they start changing things up, and not listening to the seller. I see that happen more often than than anything else. Unfortunately, when when something does go awry, I think it could be the cause.
1: Well, it's one thing to change the color paint on the walls. It's another thing to change the operation.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But but the entrepreneurs within ourselves naturally have that have that desire to want to you know make it ours and what we have and our ideals and and I think the worst thing you can do is go in and start changing everything up you need to you need to work it a year or two before you really start you know changing things and and because of your understanding and your growth and everything else and and again I, I can't tell you how often businesses that fail it's simply because they didn't follow the program that was there
1: well, you know, if, if you assume that somebody came in and bought the business, they bought the business because it was operating at, hopefully, at a profit, and that's where the value was uh, derived from. And um, uh, why would you want to do something to risk? Uh, your investment and risk your profit. I don't. I don't understand that. I mean, I, I can understand. People say, hey, "I am in business for myself now. Look, I'm going to be able to do whatever I want." But uh, that has to come with uh, a certain sense of what's really going on in that business, which you won't have, as you said, unless you've been there for a year, maybe even two or three, before you can start. To, I mean, if you got a restaurant you want to add your favorite pot roast to it, well, that's another story. But uh, you know, if you want to all of a sudden not, not sell. Uh, and not sell steaks and sell strictly fish and
2: chicken you may you may have a problem there right right and and people do it all the time it is the i don't know it's, it, I, to me it's just their worst enemy is to yeah. see them not realize that what they just purchased was that system that had been working right. and the change it before really understanding it and, and to make the decision the correct decision is very disastrous, very often.
1: Well, I know years ago, uh, uh, David, I was uh, I was in the catering business, and uh, and I was looking to uh, have my own location as well uh, that I could use as a catering kitchen, as well as have some retail out the front door. And then, but uh, my hope was that I would have the money coming in the front door on the retail aspect that would uh, basically pay for my operation. Uh, for the restaurant and the kitchen and, and just had to break even and I'd make my money out the back end with the catering is what my objective was and I was looking at some of these small kitchens uh, almost like pizza shop type kitchens and I'm thinking well I could do this here and I can change this and I can change that menu and I go I don't really want to do that <laughs> <You know? laughs> because I've got a catering business here that's making me money and I know when I'm done with that catering job i made money because it, the profit was built into it why would I want to risk <laughs> all kinds of other things, okay.
0: uh, and
1: and so I mean it really comes it really comes down to sticking with what you know best. Uh, also, when you're looking for a business, don't you think?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, again, that's why we want to. That's why we want to fill out an application and their aptitude and, and their personalities and their skills all together. And that's that's the way to buy a business is somebody helping you. Understand where you lie in those fields, and then be looking for something that meets those that criteria. And that's why the franchise is so such an unique thing because they've already designed different franchises for different types of strengths. And uh, I I was amazed with that as I started in the last few years, started realizing how well you know that's out there if you can understand what the franchise is doing. Franchise the right?
1: Uh, so are you a uh, an
2: owner's uh, broker or are you a buyer's broker? Uh, both, both. I list and sell. I, I'm kind of a transfer transaction agent. You know, so often we find ourselves in intermediary type of situations to where we're helping both the buyer and the seller. But um, I try to get business listings because that's uh, kind of the key to our business. And then... We have you know I have buyers calling all the time, especially in this market, saying, "You know, help me find a business, and we need to we need to walk them through it too mhm uh
1: so do you ever run into a situation where you're kind of caught between the the devil and the deep blue sea, so to speak, when you're really stuck in the middle and uh or does that just not happen?
2: Well, you know, it can, and, and it is a thing in, in real estate, in commercial real estate or residential real estate. They've really defined those roles a lot better. They have it in business um, uh, transactions, in my, in my opinion. You know, in a in a commercial or residential, you you have to explain exactly I'm on the seller side, I'm on the buyer side, or I'm in the middle. You know, and it's a very specific type of thing. Um, and as, as a business transaction coordinator sometimes that role gets a little skewed you got to got to be really careful and you really need to have faith in your in your buyer's agent or your buyer's or your broker for that deal but typically if i if it's a listing i'll tell him up front hey i'm working strictly for the lister and if that's what he wants that's what i have to do with the buyer but quite often that lister that listing um the seller let's say really wants me to bring the buyers to the table you know what I'm saying? Because he would be limiting himself to half of what could be selling if I can't buy the bring the buyer to him too, right? All right. So when that happens, I, you know my job is to arm them. my My job is to be fair and to arm both of them. In other words, here's your valuation, here's the market, here's the financing, here's how this works, and really kind of help them get together to make the deal that they that's going to work best for both of them.
1: So do you get involved in that negotiation with regard to price and so on and so forth yourself, oh, yeah. uh, operating I've, I've... from both sides of the table?
2: Um, at one point in time, typically, you know, I much prefer to be on the listing side or the buyer's side strictly. And if I'm playing that, if that's where I need to be. But if they've asked me, if they both understand and they've asked me to be that intermediary, the asked me to be that transaction coordinator, and they both know what's going on and understand it, then that's that's where I'm still can be found in the middle of that negotiation, you bet. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's, it, uh, it it sounds tenuous to me. I, <laughs> I, it is. I, is my is. hat's off to you because I don't know. This is
2: why the education is so important for everybody and to be upfront with everybody and to be sure that they understand where you're coming from and, and knowing that and what they need. Because if they want their own, their own person strictly for them, then we just bring in another broker and get that right. taken care of. So they have that option always. Right, right.
1: Uh, so uh, now, as far as your own operation is concerned, do you operate just in, in Lubbock, or do you operate uh, across the country? Uh, how do how do you, how do you op- operate your business?
2: Well, I, I pretty much uh, market in Lubbock strictly, but if a gentleman comes to me and says I'm looking for security companies, security alarm companies all through Texas and Oklahoma, then I will go and contact every security company in Oklahoma and Texas for them and find out the ones that are ready to sell and start working on that. So it kind of depends on the needs and, and
1: what I'm doing. So you don't necessarily work in Oregon and
2: New York and Florida and all that? You're just, no, no, not typically. not typically. It, Only if I've got one guy trying to buy one type of business that, and he doesn't mind where it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and if somebody wants to buy, if somebody has a franchise holder, for instance, they hold the uh, uh, the Polly Wally Doodle All Day fran- Play School franchise for mm-hmm. Phoenix, for Phoenix, Arizona, and they've got and they've got six outlets, uh, and and they want to sell them as a unit. You can operate in. in and if it were in in, in Texas, uh, they wanted to sell all six, or if they wanted to sell just one or two, uh, you could handle that regardless of uh, what their
2: what their thoughts were on the sale. Oh, sure, absolutely. Because remember, we're 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 four hundred strong across the nation. Okay. And so well, that's what's great about Murphy is that we are the largest, and we've got the agents to do what needs to be done. So if if you
1: get a line on something that's going on in Arizona as an example, you could just refer that to your uh your partners uh, that uh, are the with the same company here in Arizona. Exactly. Okay, very good. Well, I, I why don't we uh why don't we let everybody know uh exactly how they can get hold of you, David, and uh and uh, your phone numbers, websites, whatever it is, in the event that they have some more questions, they can get hold of you directly, and uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll go from there then. And uh, hopefully, you'll uh, be able to get a little bit of a uh, little bit of business and exposure from what we've done today.
2: Well, Pete, thank you very much. I appreciate talking with you and having me on the show. Um, you can reach me at D. Powell P. O. W. E. L. L. at Murphy M. U. R. P. H. Y Business dot com, D. Powell at murphybusiness dot com, and um, my phone number is eight zero six two three nine zero eight zero four eight zero six two three nine zero eight zero four. Very
1: good, David. I, I appreciate you coming on the show with me today, and uh, good luck. And I hope you have a very successful twenty thirteen. As I hope uh, we all have a successful twenty thirteen. Maybe. Maybe things have smoothed out a little bit or we'll smooth out here after the next uh, six or so months into this political structure and we won't be so helter-skelter about everything else that we're doing and have a chance to stabilize things. So it would really be uh, really be nice, wouldn't it? You bet. Be great. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. Thank you. Take care. Take, take care now. Bye-bye. And you've been listening to the Boomer and the Babe Show with Mr. David Powell, Boomer business expert franchise uh, broker, uh, both from the seller and the buyer standpoint. We hope you enjoyed that conversation, and we hope that uh, if you have any needs along those lines that you get hold of David. That would be uh, uh, certainly nice. Uh, with that being said, we'll say goodbye for today. We'll be back again with our golf show tomorrow at 9 o'clock straight down the middle. Uh, the Arizona Golf Show that we do every Thursday. So uh, if you're a golfer and interested in finding out more about golf in Arizona, uh, please look us up at the same location, but at 9 o'clock, and that's for straight down the middle of the Internet Golf Show. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great day, uh, and Happy New Year. And I hope everything goes the way you want it to go in 2013. Take care now. Boomer and the Babe Show, where we bring interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, where we tweet as Boomer and Babe, and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at BoomerandTheBabe.com. Email us at host at BoomerTheBabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started.